ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to another episode of Talks with Terry. As always, I am Terry, and I'm doing this a little later in the week because it's been a little crazy. I was trying to come up with ideas while at work, and all of a sudden, uh, I ended up with two snow days uh, off of work because the snow was just uh, too much, too much for everyone to handle. Um, so I had a lot of free time, and I used it to be lazy. And in between the power going on and off at random times and sometimes losing internet connection, it wasn't always the best time to record, but now I'm kicking myself in the butt uh, and I am going to uh, continue to talk about some of the stuff and come up with an episode. Um, And I wanted to figure out what to do for February, of course, uh, with it being Black History Month, a lot of people are doing uh, Black History Month uh, themed uh, podcasts and podcast episodes focusing on certain uh, historical figures. Um, we just had uh, Martin Luther King Day not too long ago, and so a lot of people are still making content around that. Um, so there's no end of uh, stuff you can make for that. And really, um, I I don't want to do it, not because... Uh, I don't think it's it's not important. It definitely is. But with the amount of people doing it and, you know, it would seem like I feel like it would seem I'd be piggybacking off of uh, a bigger issue. And there are a lot uh, more voices who are better prepared uh, to discuss those types of topics. Um, so I strongly encourage you to look around uh, wherever you listen to your podcasts Um and look for the stories uh, from individuals um, who have studied those experiences or have um, experienced uh, those instances in uh, African-American history firsthand um, or who have studied them uh, extensively and hear from them because I think they have a much better perspective and they can do a much better job of covering um, these stories as compared to me who, you know, Uh, can do research pretty much in two minutes and not dig too much deeper uh, into it. Um, That's not to say I won't do anything like that in the future. I definitely would like to do that. It would just take a bit more planning in order for me to make sure I do a good job of it. Um, So I was looking around for something to do for February and you know uh, as always the news kind of shows up and I it makes me want to talk about something and give me sort of an idea. And so uh, in this uh, news cycle that we had, um, there was a recent story that came out uh, that we will get into, and it uh, has made me decide that I want to uh, spend the next couple of weeks in February um, focusing mainly on books. Uh, you know, classic books, the books that I've read, the books that I would recommend, you know, what, uh, what goes into those types of books. And the reason I want to do this is if you've been keeping up in the news lately, there was a big story out of Tennessee that a local school board there, uh, voted, uh, 10 to zero, uh, to ban the, uh, graphic book, uh, mouse, um, which is a uh, which is a telling of a, a story of I believe the author's uh, one of the author's relatives I believe their father uh, who was a Holocaust survivor 
Um, but it's a graphic novel in the same way of almost a comic book where everything is illustrated. The story is told in an illustrated manner with many pictures. The Jews are depicted as uh, mice and the uh, Nazis that tormented them are pictured uh, as cats. Um, so it is a uh, it is a different way of sort of covering the Holocaust in that moment in uh, world history. And a lot of people have uh, used it in their history curriculums for a lot of different reasons. Um, and we are going to get into that bigger story uh, near the end of, um, of what we are going to be talking about today. Uh, because it got me thinking, you know, uh, as someone who's an English major who's read a ton of books uh, about a ton of different things, um, the the thing that always comes up is the the idea of banned books or banning books uh, for a number of reasons. And there is, you know, there's so many reasons that people will ban a book, and there are so many books that we consider classics and that uh, are part of many people's curriculums, um, but they just kind of get thrown by the wayside or banned. Uh, for a number of reasons. Um, and for that, you know, we want to, uh, you know, I want to cover this concept of banning books, go over some of the books that have been banned, uh, especially in recent years. Um, but of course, the classics of all time and why they have been banned. And, you know, just kind of deconstruct, but also just, you know, sort of rant about you know, why the need to ban these books, why do people think we need to ban these books, and why the, um, and why the reasoning is just not exactly very sound. Um, and so, in order to do that, we are, I have myself a, a nice list of, um, books that have been challenged or banned, uh, across the country for a number of reasons, uh, and we are going to go over some of them, uh, very quickly. Some of these I have read or have heard about. Uh, some of these I have not, um, but it. Um, but we are going to just go through them and we're going to, you know, break them down. I'm using this list here called uh, the most banned and challenged books uh, of the past few years or of all time. It is a nice little list that is on playgroundequipment.com. Uh, they have a nice little... Um, they have a nice little a set of graphics here uh, that goes over. Uh, it shows uh, which books in the past few years have been banned, and they also have very uh, they have uh, certain reasons why uh, they have very nice um, uh, they have very nice icons uh, in a big list of theirs uh, that basically give a shorthand as to uh, why these books uh, are banned without going into too much detail. So without further ado, let's get started. And we're going to start on their list um, all the way at the bottom, which is the 10 most challenged and banned uh, classics of all time. These are uh, books that have been, you know, critically acclaimed, uh, published and printed for uh, year after year after year and have been taught in almost every uh, school in the country, if not the entire world. Um, and so starting off on the list, we have George Orwell's 1984, a book that uh, has been getting a lot of traction uh, for its um, political comment and its commentary about uh, sort of a, the authoritarian state. 
um, that is portrayed in there and how some people can draw parallels uh, into what is happening today. Uh, however, uh, it has been uh, it has been banned in the past and it has been banned. The two main reasons that this website gives are there is uh, sexual content within it um, and also it uh, promotes communism or it is said to promote communism which I am, uh, I'm not going to argue with that point. I wouldn't say it's promoting communism, more of it is trying to uh, demote, uh, let's say, fascism or authoritarianism. But then again, this is one of those books I have not read yet, um, so I am not going to act like one of those guys on Twitter who claims to be an expert in George Orwell's novel. Um, but the, the, the very fact that there is a whole category of promotes communism kind of just uh, shows um, how, how deep the rabbit hole can go when you're going to ban a book. Um, the next one is The Adventures of Huckleberry Finn, you know, a Mark Twain classic uh, about a boy uh, going down the Mississippi and getting into all, to all sorts of mischief. Um, the main reason this one is uh, supposedly banned is because it focuses on racism or more or what more people would say is that um, it ha it paints an uncomfortable picture of racism uh, especially with one of the main characters um, being referred to uh, using the n-word um, which uh, and you know it, it's basically a meme at this point um, you know everyone kind of you know, everyone kind of uh, gets a little hot and sweaty whenever they are they, <laughs> whenever they are in class and they have to read uh, the parts of Huck Finn uh, with the bad words in them. Uh, and then there's the one kid who's a little too excited to say those words. But anyway, uh, yeah, the the story. I mean, the fact that you'd ban it on the grounds of something racist or racism, I think that's sort of the point. You know, that's one of the things a lot of people use Huck Finn to sort of talk about. They use it uh, to talk about the time that Mark Twain was writing in uh, and how people like him viewed uh, racism uh, and, you know, how... Uh, you know, how it was viewed at the time by people like him, uh, and sort of just, you know, tackling some of those uh, specific themes. Um, so to ban it because of that is sort of a, sort of a twisted ideal. Um, but yeah, there's, there's a whole lot of there. There's a whole lot to uncover there, and I really don't have the time to cover it. Um, the next is The Catcher in the Rye. This one is uh, sort of infamous for a number of reasons. The reason it is banned is because uh, there is uh, some mature content in it. Uh, this says here, you know, 18 and up content, so not really suitable for children. Uh, and there is a lot of profane language within it. And I mean, Catcher in the Rye, it's a coming-of-age story. It's the story of that character, Holden Caulfield, sort of running away and, you know, talking about how everyone's a bunch of phonies and having all these weird experiences. And, I mean, since it's, you know, since it's released, and especially now in the modern day, there's been a lot of people who are critical about this book saying it's not the greatest coming-of-age story. Um, 
you know, in fact, I was just scrolling through TikTok today and someone made a post that was saying this was, you know, this is one of the worst examples of a coming of age story that to ever exist. And, you know, I, I didn't really have to read it um, at all. And from what I can hear, it uh, it can be kind of a drag uh, to read it because uh, it can be kind of stream of consciousness. And the main character is, you know, very unlikable. So I think for J.D. Salinger, him writing the book at the time, uh, it was really a product of its time. It was meant for the people um, that were alive at the time. But for the people that came after, I think a lot of uh, the charm had worn off and the sensibilities had changed. Um, and of course, one of the reasons, I don't think this was the main reason this, uh, this book was, this was written, but... Um, this book heavily influenced, or was said to heavily influence, uh, the man who would end up uh, assassinating John Lennon uh, of the Beatles. Um, you know, and there, you know, there's a great. Uh, I, I I've said their name before, but the the last podcast on the left, it's one of the greatest true pro- true crime podcasts of all time. They do a series about uh, the man who assassinated John Lennon and the whole background around it. And the part that the catcher in the rye played it. A lot of people have played it up to say that this book was the reason um, that John Lennon was assassinated, but really it was more of uh, it was more of sort of a a sticking point for the man to do it. He sort of saw himself a lot in uh, Holden Caulfield and the character, um, and he really seemed. Uh, so enamored with the book that he believed he was part of the book um and you know whether he whether you'd think he's mentally crazy or not it uh, drove him to do those acts um but again it's interesting that that's not really the main reason the catcher the rise banned um you know i don't really think any book should be banned um i really just think that this you know there's really no reason to read a book like this um the next one is alice walker's story uh the color purple uh, which i think i which i vaguely remember uh reading a little bit uh for one of my classes and you know they give a whole lot of reasons as to um why this uh, uh why this story is um is banned uh, there's, of course, profane language. Uh, there's also a lot of mature content, um, and there is uh, some adult content. 18-plus content is what they say. But another reason it's why it's banned is because it brings up racial issues. And again, that's kind of the point. You know, it's one of those stories that uh, if you read it, especially if you're, uh, if you're someone of um, African-American descent, you can sort of empathize with, uh, uh, with the characters within the book. And if you're someone like me, who, um, uh, who is obviously not of that race, uh, you can also empathize with the characters by seeing, um, by seeing what happens to them, uh, through, uh, through their lens and how life is for them. And so the fact that you'd banned it for uh, racial issues, um, it's kind of it's kind of a moot point because again, it, it's the same thing of like the Avengers of Huck Finn. It's like it's it's meant to sort of enact those discussions or, or to teach those lessons. That's why people still use it today. 
uh, when they are going over uh, themes such as uh, racial injustice. Um, but again, not I don't know too much about that one. Uh, this is one I ha- this next one is one I have covered uh, a bit more uh, in my studies. This is The Great Gatsby by F. Scott Fitzgerald. Um, the reason they uh, the reason it gets banned is because there is some drug use, uh, there is some mature content, and there is some foul language. Uh, which I mean, you're dealing you're telling the story of a bunch of rich socialites uh, in you know, in the, um, you're in, uh, New York. Yeah, it's New York. Um, a bunch of rich, of uh, rich socialites, you know, coming together, their paths crossing, uh, this weird little, um, this weird little, uh, love triangle or more rather a, a love, uh, right angle because, uh, two characters are pining for, uh, are, pining for one woman, uh, and that ends up leading to, uh, the, leading to disaster, and, you know, it's, it's, but it's a great, it's a great example of, of form, uh, of description, um, and, uh, as well, it, it does also cover the, the history, or the historic area of the 1920s very well, which, of course, you know, was, came out in 20, in 1925, um, so I, so it's very good. It can even be used in a history lesson, but a lot of times, uh, I think it's mainly used for its, uh, literary purposes. Um, so, but as far as banning it, again, those are all sort of moral issues that I think are personal problems for the people that want this book challenged and banned. But I don't, I mean, I don't think there's anything, you know, majorly problematic with it. Um, then there's, uh, Maya Angelou's I Know Why the Caged Bird Sings. Again, same thing with the color purple, a lot of mature content and a lot of, uh, racial issues, which I am not familiar with this, uh, particular type of book, but the name Maya Angelou does stand out. And so I would say the same thing with the color purple. Uh, you really shouldn't ban it for racial issues because I think that's the point of the book and the lessons that you're supposed to take from the book. Um, next up, we have William Golding's The Lord of the Flies, um, which uh, I did have a chance to read that personally on my own. You know, no teacher breathing down my neck wanting a book report from it. Uh, this one, it tackles... Uh, let's see, it says, um, foul language, uh, mature content, uh, a bit of racism, and a lot of violence. Um, now, I'm, I'm the, I think the racism is in there just a little bit. I think there's one or, there's a couple of characters, um, who are ethnically different than the rest of them. Um, if you don't know, it's the story of a bunch of boys who, uh, survive a plague of plane crash on a deserted island and they have to you know try to survive but they end up going kind of tribal and feral and uh end up eventually uh murdering each other um it is it's a haunting story and it can be kind of hard to keep up uh at times with it but it is um it is the weirdest version of not really a coming of age story i guess but this weird dynamic of of power and 
of power and sort of the the nature of humanity and the nature of people even you know kids and i think it's also meant to challenge this uh, the this concept that all children uh, are innocent creatures um and i think it's meant to peel back and say um you know when you are thrown into the wild with no chain of command no no authority or anything like that uh the law of the wild sort of takes over uh, and we return to our sort of ancestral roots of um, being tribal and um, having to fend for and having to fend for ourselves. Um, but yes, there is there is a lot of violence. There is some murder in it. Um, it's definitely not something I would give to like a second grader, but uh, it is a classic. And so to give it to someone, say, late in middle school or definitely through high school or even all the way into college, of course, at, at that point you're dealing with adults. Um, but, yeah, it's, you know, it's not something I teach to very tiny children um, because I don't think they'd understand it very well. Um, but I don't think, I mean, again, you're just having issue with the content of the book and that's a personal problem and you need to figure that out for yourself. Next is John Steinbeck's Of Mice and Men. It's been a long time since I've had to read this one, um, but it is still a beautiful tale and I think it has one of the more uh, beautiful endings um, in sort of classic book history. Um, but this one has a lot of foul language, a lot of violence, and um, and uh, some racial issues. Which, I mean, John Steinbeck had this published in 1937. Um, uh, and if I know my history correctly, there was a lot of racism, there was a lot of violence, and there was a lot of foul language. Especially if you were in the subject of this book, which I do believe... Uh, centers around um, two men trying to find their way in the Great Depression. Uh, so again, the 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 reasons for being banned um, are kind of contradictory with what you're supposed to get out of the book, and I think it's very short-sighted um, how that one goes. Uh, the next one is the uh, the one flew over the cuckoo's nest. I haven't had a chance to read this one yet, but I kind of want to because it sounds interesting. Um, but this one gets banned uh, for a number of reasons. First of all, there's violence. Second of all, there's there's that explicit adult content again, uh, and that foul language. Um, but there is another there is another symbol that they threw on there, and I had to look at their little their little chart to see what it was because I I couldn't figure it out. Uh, at first glance, um, and the reason they give it was it was uh, it said corrupts youth, um, which I thought was an interesting thing. Um, I I don't know the history specifically, so I don't know how it would be considered uh, corrupting to the youth, um, and why it would need to be banned. And honestly, if you had a whole thing about corrupting the youth, you could honestly throw that on this entire list because to a lot of people. Um, there are, uh, you know, they believe that um, these stories will corrupt the youth in one way or another. Um, again, I'm not too familiar with the story, um, but most of it, again, seems opinionated and morally based, so I don't really think there's any ground for that one to stand on either. 
and then there's Harper Lee's To Kill a Mockingbird, another amazing classic. Um, it's been banned uh, for profane language and racism and uh, racial uh, and uh, racial themes or uh, racial inequalities, that kind of thing. Which again is kind of the whole point of the story of To Kill a Mockingbird. You know, the whole one of the big cruxes of the story centers around uh, a, a character who has been. Uh, you know, wrongly convicted of a crime in some way, shape, or form, and the main character's father, Atticus Finch, uh, has to um, has to defend uh, this man and you know try to help him out in a way that lawyer does, even though uh, the convicted man is uh, is black um, in the in the South. So so again, the the sort of going into all of these issues just seem to are tied into the the things of about the books that we're supposed to glean from them um with, i mean with a few exceptions like the catcher in the rye even though that one is a coming of age story so all the you know all all the 18 plus material is is kind of meant to is kind of meant to be in there but for most of these and for almost all of these really there really isn't much of a leg to stand on all of this comes to um, a moral reasoning as to why you'd want these books banned, and I think it has to do with the fact that um, it's partly some places and some people are trying to give these books to kids too early. Um, for example, you know, like I said, The Lord of Flies, you're not going to give that to a first grader because they're not going to understand it. Um, and But I think a big part of this is that there are parents and there are administrators and other adults who are looking at the content, just the, the, the surface level content in these books, and they say, that makes me personally uncomfortable and I personally find a moral issue with it, and so I do not want that in my schools because I don't want my children reading that. And to be honest, it does if you do that, you really can't have any sort of creative content in your curriculum. In fact, there's a ton of content you wouldn't be able to have. You know, you wouldn't be able to have a lot of science in there because, you know, you personally would say that some aspect of that science uh, is something that you do not agree with or makes you uncomfortable, you know a lot of people would not approve of, say, biology uh, if you have to, you know, if the part of the curriculum is having to dissect animals. Some people are think that would be morally wrong. Um, but you're not going to get rid of that because it takes away from the learning aspect of it. Um, you're supposed to feel uncomfortable with these books because they're supposed to spark those segments of your mind. Um, that expand and allow for uh, more more thought to be covered. It's meant to sort of open your eyes to a lot of what is happening, the history, the possibilities, um, the messages that are being put within it. Um, another book that I'm surprised wasn't really on the classics of all time, it might be on a bigger list, but the the jungle by Upton Sinclair that is you know that to me that one sticks to me for a number of reasons but 
you know, historically speaking, it was a very serious book because it opened up, uh, you know, uh, the people who read it saw, were able to see through the, um, the, the secrets uh, or the, the working conditions within the meatpacking industry, and that caused, uh, that caused uproar and real-life change. You would not have had that if the book had been uh, banned. And again, I don't know the history, but I'm certain uh, that people, uh, that certain people tried to get that book re- uh, banned or removed uh, at one point. But the point of the point I'm trying to make here is that you can't get rid of you can't get rid of these stories because you're limiting yourselves and you're limiting your children uh, into this very narrow mindset. And they, you know, if that's what you're wanting, then that's very that's very concerning and that's very uh, controlling, almost cult-like in a way, because you're saying, "I don't want you to think for yourself. I want you to think the exact." things that I think uh, because it fits my narrative it's what I'm comfortable with and it gives me control and power uh, over that certain aspect of my life now are you saying that am I saying that you should go out and let your child experience everything no we have um, we have those sort of safety blocks uh, for a reason, you know, there's a reason that certain channel, channels get parental locked because you don't want your child to be random flip, randomly flipping through channels and seeing something that they are not ready to see or they're not ready to understand. There is a certain age in which uh, that content uh, can be seen, but you have to be there in order to explain it to them. And I think that's what a lot of people... Uh, don't realize is that so much of who we are uh, as people have come have been direct results of uh, these these novels that we've read Um, and just uh, you know kind of going off on another little tangent there's another thing I kind of wanted to bring up because uh, this nice little list here it's shown it it only starts at like uh, it only starts at 2017 but I know this trend has been going on uh, in recent years. Uh, there have been a lot of uh, there have been a lot of books, uh, especially uh, young adult material, um, that have dealt with uh, some things that uh, in recent years a lot of people just have not um, they have not appreciated. Um, there have been, and a lot of those books are unfortunately books that deal with ideas uh, or identities such as the LGBTQ community. A lot of them feature characters who are gay or are uh, differently gendered, um, or they uh, or they support those sort of viewpoints. Um, you know, there was there's this little book. I have right here from 2005 saying Tango makes three and some of the reasonings that they give are you know that they are pro LGBTQ content Um, there are some people here that say it is anti-family or that it has certain political views or religious views or ideologies that go against it and from what I can tell it's a book about penguins you know it's but to have all this stuff, I think what 
I think what mainly happens when it comes to banned books, it is people in power who want to minimalize and silence uh, the opinions that they are uncomfortable with um, because they don't want those concepts or opinions to propagate um, because that goes against their agendas and their narratives. Um, you know, that is why uh, that is why a lot of books that would promote something like different religions or something uh, more akin to atheism or something that's just anti-Christian, uh, people are obviously going to push back on that. Um, and, you know, if it's a book that, you know, intricately deals with uh, sort of um, sort of personal or even non-personal uh, issues that relate to things uh, like, you know, uh, abuse or uh, anti-religion or anything like that. If, if the point of those is to express those ideas and say, this is what I've experienced and this is what I believe, I don't think that's an issue. I do have an issue with people who write books specifically to target a certain group of people, a certain demographic, and say, these people are wrong. Um, and I don't, and you should not believe them, which I think you find a lot with, um, I think you find a lot more in the political section of your bookstore, um, a lot more, uh, of those inflammatory, uh, sort of, uh, sort of books out there where it's basically just one long opinion piece by someone who claims, uh, that they know what they're talking about. Um, but again, I think, a lot of times, and especially in, in this modern time, most of the books that are getting banned, they're getting banned for reasons where they are counterproductive to those who are sort of in the the authority, the position of authority, you know. And it's it's other books like, you know, it it's not even books like Just to Kill a Mockingbird. They're, you know... Cl Classics that people have enjoyed, like 13 Reasons Why. People don't like that because it discusses suicide, even though that's one of the, you know, biggest issues um, pertaining to things like mental health, especially in young, uh, in young children or young teens, um, which is sort of what this book focuses on. It's meant for that demographic. The Hate You Give, another, uh, another uh, good story. Um, and you know this one talks. Uh, this one talks about the 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 racial injustice um, and sort of the system we have and uh, how that affects people of say the African American community and is you know it, and so so many other things. But but when you look at the reasonings why they get banned, also this is another big thing. It's like. Oh, bad, you know, adult content, bad language, and drug use. You are banning those books at that point for the littlest things that honestly should not be bannable offenses, but you're doing that to take them off the shelves so that when, so that if people were to read them, they aren't getting the important messaging um, that is uh, going, that they are going to get when they, uh, when they read and learn about the stories, um, you know, and there's, you know, there's other things too, like Harry Potter. It's one of the most famous, well-known book series of all time. Um, 
you know, it has their own, you know, it has its own theme park, you know, these days. And it's such, such a huge fan base. That used to be on a lot of band book lists, and, and I think it's still on some band book lists, uh, because it promoted witchcraft. And in uh, some, and in uh, some religious circles, especially in, uh, especially in um, like a, a Christian household or whatever, their doctrine uh, per, you know prohibits witchcraft, and they're like, if you read the Harry Potter, you're going to, um, you know, you're going to be, uh, you're basically going to follow along with this idea of witchcraft. But again, like there is. You know, there's so many reasons that I just see on this list of, on you know, on PlaygroundEquipment.com for, for this section they have here, and so much of it is, like, I can understand how it can be triggering for some people, but uh, some of it does not seem uh, like reasonable, uh, like, good reasons to ban a book. You know, there's one for discussing suicide, like we talked about. With 13 Reasons Why, you know, just because something discusses suicide, it doesn't necessarily mean that's a bad thing. It's actually, you know, especially these days, it's a very sort of common thing that people use uh, as as a plot device or a motivator for a character. Um, profanity, again, it's, you know, that one doesn't stick out a whole lot. Same thing with sexual content. There's also alcoholism. Um there's LGBTQ content again. That it that one's problematic because it's uh, banning books specifically for uh, a, a specifically meant to cater to a, a certain uh, demographic of people. Uh, there's violence. And violence is all around us. We see it on the news all the time, um, and it is also in everything from the cartoons that we watch to. You know, the, the comic books, the video games, the music, all of it. You can't ex escape violence, and trying to escape violence usually doesn't pan out. There is the transgender character. Again, that is something you can't, you shouldn't be banning a book on that uh, just because they have a transgender character in it. It is very, that is very damaging um, uh, for people who, uh, who identify uh, as as part of that community who is identify or is going through a transition and oftentimes you know they will look to find stories like that um, just so they can uh, sympathize uh, with whatever the emotions they are they you know they can recognize the emotions they are going through um, and be helped along in their journey you know there then there's the use of the n-word most of the times it, that's for a historical context, or it's just to show uh, that certain characters are racist. As long as you're not using it in the same context that you would, uh, like, you know, if if I were to write a modern story and I were to uh, refer to um, African American uh, individuals in that sense, that is a reason to ban it because that is straight up just racism. But a lot of times, people will just look at a book that. Uh, is written at a time when the word was more prominently used and say, oh, that's the bad word and get it off. Um, so again, there there needs to be more context um, as to why that is there. Drug abuse, again, it's a big thing and a lot of people are dealing with it, but as long as there is a, 
you know, as long as it's not necessarily promoting drug use, uh, especially for heavier drugs, um, then I don't think it's an issue. And I think a lot of times it is mo- it is mainly used uh, as uh, as part of a, a character's backstory or development. Um, and a lot of times author- authors uh, tend to do uh, or tend to look at drug use in, in sort of the negative light, saying that... Um, you know the the drug use is something that you you would use um, that is not really necessary or is more often damaging. Um, there's gender identity, which a lot of people are going through, especially um, in in these modern times. There's a lot more push for greater diversity um, and greater inclusion of various gender identities. There, that's not really a reason uh, to uh, ban a to ban a certain book. Um, this this next reason is a bit more justifiable. It's author misconduct. These are the books that uh, you would uh, you would ban simply because the author themselves has um, been found as a problematic figure. Um, the only thing, the only uh, example this I have that comes to mind, um, it was that it was that book that uh, was featured prominently on Oprah for a little bit. Uh, like uh, I think a million tiny pieces or something uh, and it was basically said that the author kind of just winged it or uh, or stole the idea and you know it, it made a lot of people angry about it so it makes sense that a lot of places would ban the sale or or ban reading that book because it's like the author did something bad um, there's one for being a poorly written book I could see you banning it from a curriculum by saying this isn't a good, you know, this isn't a good book for um, anyone to read simply because it's just, you know, not well done at all. Um, Then there's the 18 plus, you know, unsuited for a certain age group. Uh, Again, if you're smart about, uh, you know, what content is within a book and at what age can you teach it to somebody, uh, then that's fine. Uh, you can go through that. Um, there's anti-family. Again, this is a very personal kind of thing. You know, if a story is anti-family, more often than not, the author is using an experience um, that they personally have had um, in which the family dynamic has broken down or has not worked out for them. You see it a lot. I've noticed it a lot, especially in... Um, in animated cartoons or whatever where someone's biological family is uh the the problem is very problematic or non-existent uh and they've been abandoned and yet they get put into like a superhero team or a detective agency or whatever and that sort of becomes their adoptive family and it's you know it reiterates this idea of uh, family is is more about the the relationships you choose uh, rather than the relationships you were born with. Um, so I don't really think there is a whole lot, uh, especially in these uh, in these books that we see um, that can be cons- that really they're not really saying that having a family is bad or a negative thing. It's mainly saying as the author my personal experience of the family unit is not the same as everyone else and so I don't look at it in a positive light. Um, 
There's political viewpoint, which the issue with this one is that it kind of fluctuates uh, as political leanings do. So one political leaning that's more to the left would be seen as bannable, whereas another idea, maybe one leaning more to the right, is seen in a negative light. Um, I think if it's uh, a reasonable political viewpoint, there's no issue to it um, necessarily. Uh, I think it's just, if you're going to have this, especially in an educational setting, it's important to overlook, uh, or not overlook, but uh, have an overview and, and look deeply into what is the political viewpoint, how does it uh, affect the story being told, and what should we uh, be, what should we be gleaning from uh, that sort of political viewpoint. Um, another one, atheism. Again, this is a very uh, theological, very religiously minded reason uh, to have a book banned. Uh, I don't think there is an issue with atheism in general. I think it's just another ideal that uh, people cling to, and a book shouldn't be um, shouldn't be banned necessarily just because it promotes that idea of atheism. Again, if it's militant atheism, and what that, what I mean by that is the atheism that basically says that all religion is false, and that anyone who follows religion uh, is is a is a, a flawed or uh, or like a stupid human being, um, and who is wrong, then that is something that is bannable because there is. You know, there's a lot of ignorance and hate in there, but just because some a part of the book includes atheism or the concept of atheism, it should not be bannable. Um, one of these is nudity. Um, this is, of course, in more illustrated stuff. Again, it, it's nudity. We all we all have the bits and pieces. You know, we all are going to see it uh, one way or another. As if it's going to be in, uh, if it's going to be in a public setting or a public school setting, again, just make sure it's getting to the right age group. You're not going to give this to a fifth grader, you know, if it's got sexy drawings in it. Um, you know, personally, I think uh, a world in which we're a bit more comfortable with nudity, just in general, not for any sexy reason, just in general, uh, would be fine. Uh, especially when you look at examples of like modern art and that has a lot of nudity in it you know that's that stuff isn't inappropriate um, uh, and you know if we if we if you give it the right context again uh, it'll be fine again and then next there's the religious viewpoint um, this is a weird one uh, but it also kind of falls in the same thing as the atheism one there's no problem with you know having a different religious viewpoint uh, one way or another um, except, uh, and this is me personally saying this, if your religious viewpoint uh, direct, directly uh, demotes or harms a specific group of people, that is a problematic religious viewpoint, and I don't think it should be, um, it should be expressed in any way, shape, or form. If there is a book that openly came out uh, and said that all, uh, that all gay people um, were sinners and were uh, bound for hell or should be exterminated or whatever um, and it was banned and you know you banned that for religious viewpoints I think that would be justified because you're using your religious viewpoint to attack a certain group of individuals 
Um, but if you wrote a book where religion is heavily uh, is heavily influential on the events of it and plays a big th and plays a big part in the book, I think that's fine. Um, again, if you're going to teach it, as long as someone explains that it, that part of it, it'll be okay. Um, these next two are kind of in the same vein: promotes Christianity or promotes Islam. Um, the promotes Christianity one, you know, I don't think that's a huge issue. I'm not saying it hasn't happened, because it obviously has. Um, and, you know, there are some, I know there have been some places in the past that have said we don't even want the Bible uh, in the school. Uh, and that's, you know, that's a that's a personal thing. Um, I, I don't think you should remove it entirely, um, but you sh you just need to be sure you understand uh, why it uh, why it is in there. As far as promoting Islam, that's a religion. It's the same thing, you know. Uh, you should be allowed to ha you should be allowed to have that uh, those materials um, available to people. Um, but if you're going to remove something because it promotes Islam, then you have to remove something that promotes Christianity or Judaism or anything. You can't pick and choose here. Um, unless you are a private school, like, say, a Catholic school, um, then you can pick and choose, and that is technically your right, um, but I, don't, I wouldn't say it is uh, personally right. Um, another reason they give is uh, gambling. Um, sure, again, that's one of those moral things, like it's morally wrong to gamble. Um, I think just because gambling is part of the story, that doesn't mean it's a negative thing. I just, you know, again, it's it's most of the time this stuff is usually as a, as a plot point. You know, the 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 use of gambling is usually used for uh, a certain other um, certain other instances, so it's not that big of a deal. Uh, racial issues we sort of talked about, kind of stupid, kind of stupid to put it in there. Another one's depiction of torture. I can understand that one. It is a bit uncomfortable, uh, but it is realistic. Um, so again, that's more of you have to look at the age or the demographic of people this is meant for, uh, and focus on um, and focus on making sure that uh, you are only giving it to people who can handle that that type of content and come to an understanding. Uh, you're not going to give something with a depiction of torture to a second grader. Um, next one, controversial issues. I don't think books should necessarily be banned about this, um, especially if they are full of, you know, truthful and valid arguments. I think it's fine if there's controversial issues. I think most of the time, though, um, in a public school setting, that stuff is mainly going to be reserved for people who are in high school or especially in university. Um, you can definitely have those controversial uh, talks and issues in it. Um, I would say it kind of depends on the issue necessarily, um, but as course as an educator, as long as uh, you um, as long as you cover both sides of the argument, I think it's fine and there's really no need. Uh, to ban. Um, next is sex education. Listen, guys, it's 2022. Like, we're not in the 1600s anymore. Sex happens. It's happened everywhere. And the more sex education you have, the more safe that people are going to be uh, in the modern times. 
Um, so just let it happen. There's no reason uh, to take away a book simply because it promotes sex ed. Um, smoking, kind of same thing as gambling. Yes, it is a harmful thing. Uh, but just because the content is in there doesn't mean the book should be banned. Uh, because oftentimes it's not going to like promote smoking. Uh, next is occult stuff. I feel like this is more satanic panic things as well. And again, it's sort of the reason that uh, Harry Potter uh, is banned in a lot of places uh, because it's seen as a cult. Um, you know, it, 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 I mean, it's whatever. It's, it's another personal belief thing because what someone thinks is a cult, other, uh, another person says is fairly tame. So I don't think there's really much to that. Um, there's another one. It's pro-communist. Uh, again, this one was kind of more towards books in the Cold War era that were probably historically banned uh, because they were seen as being pro-communist. Again, we said 1984 got banned for that very reason. Um, I think it's a bit antiquated now. Uh, if books started getting banned for being pro-communist again in this modern age, we should be concerned about that, but I don't think that's as big of an issue. Um, Racism, we've talked about. Uh, if racism is in the book, then it's likely because the book has to deal is dealing with racism. Um, so there's that. And then there's the big corrupts youth uh, that I found funny that it was there because really anything we talked about on, on this key reasons uh, could be considered as corrupting the youth. And, the, you know, you have to, because then you have to ask, who are the youth? When does the youth stop being the youth, and what does it mean to corrupt them? Um, so kind of uh, kind of going off into the whole thing that started this um, is the you know the the book mouse um, and how it uh, and you know sort of the fallout of since it has you know been banned and everything um, and. You know, it, it's it's very strange. Um, it's very strange that it was chosen to be banned. The main, I think, a lot of the main reasons that it was given as to why it was banned is because there is some explicit language in it, um, and there is like one scene of a nudity in it. Um, again, you know, this is a book that's not really meant for very young generations. Uh, is mainly meant for children in middle school and high school. Um, and as a way to sort of um, explain the Holocaust without having to go straight into what the Holocaust is. Um, because uh, for anyone who's studied the Holocaust or just had a, you know, a passing glance at it, it is very, very dark stuff. Um, and diving headfirst into it at a certain age can be a very traumatic uh, for some people. And so I think books like Mouse uh, do a decent job of saying this is a book where younger uh, younger children or younger students uh, are able to uh, are, to read and experience what ha what the Holocaust was like uh, without having to get all of the gruesome details. And you know, this is something that, it, this is just fiction. This is what fiction has done for the longest time. We make, we make fictional characters and fictional creatures and races and religions and everything 
to uh, show exactly what happened uh, in our real world. Um, you know, in you might have a favorite fantasy novel where uh, the elves are said to be um, are said to be considered like second class citizens or or more savage uh, or you know meant to be the the natives of the land um, or whatever you know whatever it may be I think that mouse is trying to do the similar things it's it's taking uh, it's taking something uh, that's very deep and very horrific in a lot of ways and not cleaning it up but refocusing it in a certain way or repainting it in a certain way to where the message is still there and the message still comes across but you don't have to see all of the horror in order to find that message um there was uh i i read a i read something from the washington post where uh they basically asked uh someone who taught literature and specifically holocaust themed literature you know what you know what is it about mouse that uh really sets it off is that you know they said that they use the book with kids in middle school and up and they say that you know that text was one of a kind and it was it, the text changed the dynamic of their of their classroom uh, for so many kids, uh, different grade levels, different gram- demographics and backgrounds. Uh, they said, uh, "quote I taught it uh, I taught it to most African American kids in Buffalo, to all Hispanic kids in Chicago, and kids from all over the world in the Kent School District in Washington." Uh, it becomes an unbelievable vehicle, and all the students that I've ever had have connected so profoundly to it. It has been truly life-changing for so many students, so taking it away is incomprehensible. So what it, basically what he's saying, he's given it to so many people, and Mouse, just as a story, just the way it portrays, uh, the way it portrays the history and the experience of those people that went through uh, uh, what they went through. It is a, it is a way, it, it is presented in a way that people can read it, they can have their first sort of taste into that part of history, to that dark moment in our history, and they can find the stories within, and they, the biggest thing is it's a teacher of empathy. You empathize with the characters and what they went through, and you start to have those questions of how did this happen, you know, why why were these people targeted, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And then, as you go forward looking for those answers, then you begin to, you know, look past mice and cats and start seeing the humans that were behind it all. And then you get to, you know, you get to learn how it all really went down. You know, the veil is sort of lifted and you get to see all of the gruesome details. And at the end of the day, you sit there and you say, wow, this is, you know, this is so horrific and I don't want this kind of thing to happen again. And so you go against it. So as, as to why it was banned, I don't, you know... I've, got, I've gone over it before. The nudity and the profanity, I don't think it makes a big deal. 
uh, for the content that is, you know, being talked about. And I think it is very negligible. Um, you know, it is very minor, the, the things that we'll be talking about. I think the biggest issue uh, with starting to ban a book like that is that if others start to follow that example and get rid of it, then the message that is within that story becomes lost on anyone who anyone who wants to teach it and anyone who wants to learn from it and the the issue is if if those 10 people truly believe that it was the right thing to do to get rid of that book because of the instance of nudity and the profane language you have now taken a a key a one an important part of teaching young students about this particular subject of American history of world history and you have removed it and you have made it harder for them to learn and understand and comprehend what has happened and of course we have what we've learned is that if you remove that history and if you don't learn that history you are doomed to repeat it so and I don't like I don't think this is like some targeted conspiracy to help fascism grow in America I think it is simply just I think it is simply just the result of certain ideals and certain uh, and the proliferation of, of certain thoughts uh, and thought processes that have um, that have taken this away without looking at the greater implications of what could come if something like this were removed uh, from from the public eye or for the eyes of the people who would learn from it, and so that is why I don't think it is a it is a great thing. And you know to look you know to look at it uh, in a certain way. Another big news story that came out this week uh, around the same time is there was a viral post that went around. There was a big uh, neo-Nazi rally um, in one of the states here in America. Um, and you can't help but sit there and think if they would have learned the lessons that are in works of literature like Mouse, not just Mouse, but everything from Anne Frank's diary to a number of other uh, stories that, um, that focus on telling uh, the, the stories and histories behind the Holocaust from listening to the survivors that are still around um, and from hearing about uh, everything and all that went down um, is that if they would have heard that, then the people who had held that uh, neo-Nazi rally, they would not have existed. They would have taken great shame in what they did. But it's that ignorance that is allowed to propagate and is allowed for those ideas to be maintained. And so I think it is our responsibility as adults, as educators, um, and as heralds into the future of the, of the next generation of kids is to teach them those important lessons. By banning books, you don't get rid of the problem. You propagate the problem, you try to bury it under the rug, and oftentimes what happens is that people get curious and they start to read it anyway. One of my favorite books uh, that I have, you know, that I've 
talked about a couple of times is Ray Bradbury's Fahrenheit 451. Literally, he wrote the book on banning books, having them completely destroyed because they held the ideals, they held the, uh, they held the thoughts and the lessons that would be poisonous to the type of rule that those in power in that book, in that universe, wanted to have. And so that's why they outlawed them and had them destroyed. But even so, the person who was in charge, the main character who was in charge of getting rid of that stuff, he began to question why, why they were doing all of that. And so he took the books himself and he began to read them. And he learned, he tried to understand all that was being, all that was being written down and what it meant. And that made him a target, but it opened his eyes. And even at the end of the book, it saves him, uh, from, it saves him from, uh, the, the same demise that everyone else had. And so it's that kind of lesson that can be learned when, you look at what is what is being hidden. I think the lack of transparency in simply saying we're going to get rid of the thing is only going to force people, especially these kids, to say, that is banned, that is not a good book, that's what I want, and that's what I want to read. It's the same thing with all these books, you know? I bet there were kids when they heard that To Kill a, uh, to kill a Mockingbird... Uh, or the catcher in the rye. When they heard those books were banned, it's like, oh, I gotta, I gotta get that book. That's that's the bad book. And then they would read it, and you know, maybe they would learn something. Maybe they would enjoy it, or maybe they'd be like, I don't understand why this book was banned. You know, there's only like a couple of bad words. So, I think that, uh, I think that what we need to do, we need to. You know, we need to think more carefully about what it is that we want to ban in terms of books. I think it'd be fine if uh, all books were allowed to just live and breathe uh, the way they naturally would. Obviously, not all of them are going to get into our curriculum or our mindset because there's just millions and millions out there uh, and you can't just read every one. Um, but I think the important thing is that we... Uh, we, we look deeper into why we want these books banned or the, why people want these books banned. And we say we are willing to sacrifice those little bits of discomfort that these books give us so that we can learn from the lessons and so that we can let our children learn and empathize and grow with those lessons. And I think that is what's most important. But... That is going to be it. That is going to be the first episode of this nice little uh, book series, I guess, that I'm going to be doing. I will figure out what else to do. Probably going to talk about uh, the books I have read, the books I've uh, yet to read, and sort of go deeper into topics like this. Uh, so, you know, getting one of the serious ones out of the way so we can have fun with some more episodes. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening, as always. Uh, you can uh, reach out to me, uh, talkswithterry at gmail.com, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, um, or ideas for other episodes or even monthly topics. I will definitely take those. 
Um, and I would love to hear back some feedback from you guys. Um, but thank you so much. Uh, I will catch you all on the next episode. So stay safe, stay warm out there.